what marketing is tasked to do on a daily basis is to come up with all the reasons why we're super cool, come up with whole new paradigms to describe what we do, come up with whole new ways of envisioning and characterizing what we do. And if your job is to always be coming up with a new perspective and a new twist on what you are, it becomes harder to just simply open the box up, put the parts on the table and go, this is what it actually is. You're, you're so busy focusing on a new twist, you forget to focus on what it actually is in the first place. Welcome to Audience First, a podcast for tech marketers looking to break out of the echo chamber to better understand their audience and turn them into loyal customers. Every week, Danny Wolf has brutally honest conversations with busy tech buyers about what really motivates them, the things they hate that vendors do, and what you can do about it. Get access to practical information on how to build authentic relationships with your audience, listen to and talk with your buyers, and apply real customer insights to your strategies and tactics. You owe it to the world to unmute your mic. Are you ready? Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Audience First. I have a very special guest with me today, Mr. Alan Alfard, but I will not do any justice introducing him. I will let him do that himself. <laughs> well, thanks so much for having me come out. This is exciting stuff. I'm, uh, this, this collusion between practitioners and marketers, I think we need more of this in the industry. So I'm, I'm psyched for this one. Um, yeah. I am a security practitioner of far too many years at this point. Uh, technologist for far more years than that. Um, I've been realistically, I've been doing security for probably 20 plus years now as a practitioner. Uh, grew up on the IT side of the house, but when I kind of began focusing on my security career, I actually switched gears to engineering and became a product security specialist, eventually coming back to IT and kind of doing both. Uh, so I've always had weird mix-up roles where I was partially product and partially enterprise and always a twist of customer facing to everything I've done. Even when I was at a video conferencing company, I was in front of customers on a regular basis, extolling the virtues of our own security in our product lines. Um, so I've done a whole lot of mishmash. Uh, I've, I'm, I'm a weird CISO in the sense that I've, um, I've always had something customer facing going on with what I do. We all know this is a stressful job. Why, why did you get into it? <sighs> you know, that's the million dollar question. Um, I didn't seek it out. And it's funny because I have people coming to me all the time saying, help me, mentor me, teach me how to get to where you are. You know, how do I do it? I'm like, I don't know. I stumbled into it. Um, <laughs> I, I had left IT and joined engineering full-time. And again, I was at a video conferencing company. I was there 15 years. Um, and I built the product security program from the ground up, an entire product line. I mean, we're talking like in the early stages, I was product management, I was product marketing, I was QA, I was R&D. I, I had a team of three people helping me create, conceive, and get out the door, a secure product line specifically for sale to the DOD to get certified by them and validated as being secure, et cetera. Did all that, built that built it into a $114 million line of business. And at that point, the business kind of tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, you who's off in, you know, on your own running around <laughs> making $114 million, we want you back in the fold. Like, like, you're not allowed to be running this amok. Bring your product into us and, and let's get back to you know, integration, which secretly had been my mission all along. I wanted the company to absorb the security from the secure product line and to make it the de facto security for all product lines, right? That was kind of my hidden agenda. It worked. I pulled it off. I'm reporting to the SVP of engineering. I'm, I'm a peer to the actual people creating the products. I'm right there with them, helping to make it all secure at that, at that, at that level. And the CIO came and tapped me on the shoulder 
And he says, I understand you used to be one of us. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, a long time ago. And he said, and you built this entire product security program, you know, from the ground up. I was like, yeah. He says, how would you like to be the CISO, bring product with you and do it all under one role? And I was like, well, yeah, that sounds fun. So that's how it started. I, I got tapped on the shoulder and next thing I know, I'm a CISO and it's just taken off from there. I just, for some reason, keep doing it. <laughs> no, that, that's, I mean, that's an amazing story. I love it. You get such a breadth of knowledge there and experience. I mean, that's, uh, you, the company must be thrilled to have you. So take me through your ultimate goal you're trying to achieve as a security practitioner. It's not, you know, you know, that meme with a little excited girl that says all the things, yeah. you know, it's not secure all the things, right? Like that's yeah. an older meme, but it checks out. Um, it's not secure all the things. It's secure the things that the organization, the business has determined are the most vulnerable and or the most precious right? And if you can simply sit down with the business and figure out collectively what that means, what's the most vulnerable and what's the most precious and what's the intersection of the two and create a punch list and start actually going through and securing those things, um, do that iteratively over time. And eventually, you know, you do reach a theoretical point of having secured all the things, but of course, you know, no one ever gets fully down that road on the journey, but the goal is to do as much as you can in that priority order of just simply what matters the most to us and, and what's most at risk? And let's tackle those things first. It's really that simple. Mm -hmm. Really that simple yet so hard. <laughs> hard to execute. <laughs> Easy yeah. to envision. Tell me a little bit about your bleeding neck challenge that you're dealing with on a daily basis. As a practitioner, um, it's going to vary wildly from shop to shop. And right now I'd argue that my single biggest problem is my Mac users. Um, <laughs> I've got, I've got all these great security controls implemented and then the Mac users come along and go, but I want to keep using my Mac. I don't want your security controls. And I have to figure <laughs> out how to do the same controls with the Mac and, you know, parallel universes and all that good stuff. And, and those in mixed shops know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm not going to name all the tools, but you end up with this tool and that tool. And it's that kind of a thing. So right now that's my big struggle uh, in the day job as a practitioner. It sounds like you're having a good time. I, I want to know though, what you hate most about this industry. The ambulance chasing is probably ambulance my number chasing. one. Colonial pipeline hits and all of a sudden 4,768 vendors are hitting me up with, don't be the next colonial pipeline. You know, solar winds hits and it's the exact same thing again. And, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Whoever's vulnerability du jour it is, you know, Citrix or whoever over the years, Target, Home Depot, it doesn't matter. Equifax, you know, the bad thing happens to somebody somewhere and None, you know, some huge percentage of the vendor community, I don't know, 60% of them jump on this ambulance chasing bandwagon. And I just, I hate that. I hate it. What's the alternative though? So taking advantage of negative press for other entities to me is not a good first foot in the door, right? It's okay to acknowledge that stuff like that happens. It's okay to have a, a really crisp, clean and clear association of Literally, we were the ones who could have stopped that. But I think the problem is 90% of the people that are doing that kind of marketing believe they're the ones that could have stopped it and only 10% probably really were. So it's best to just stay away from that approach altogether. It's best to just stick with the basics and the fundamentals. Like, look, are you, are you concerned about this particular area of cyber? If you are, come check us out. That's what we do. It should really be a conversation. I think, I think the initial approach that a lot of marketers do with CISOs 
there's the insulting approach. Mm-hmm. You know, there's the like, do you even care about security? <laughs> yes, of course I do. That's why I'm a CISO. Um, if you wanted to do it right, you'd go with us. That's awfully arrogant. Um, you know, uh, oh, don't be the next colonial pipeline. Uh, I had no intention of. And in fact, that particular vulnerability isn't even a problem of mine anyway. You know, we're yeah. the only ones who can fix and solve. No, I can guarantee you I can go to the Momentum Cyberscape and find 18 others just like you, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So to me, you know, it, it's about coming in positive. It's about coming in with a with a positive message of, hey, you know, don't know you from a hole in the ground, Mr. or Mrs. CISO, you know, whoever you're engaging and talking to. I, I don't know you from a hole in the ground. I, I have to make some fundamental assumptions that you know what you're doing and you're good at your job and you have missions and, and, and focuses and areas of concern. I'm not going to presume as a complete stranger to ask you to tell me what your areas of concern are. And I'm not going to presume as a complete stranger to tell you what they are either. Um, but I will say, hey, are you, are you concerned about X? Are you interested in Y? Are you looking to do Q? Is Z something you've been you know, starting to investigate? Because we do you know, A, B, Q, or Z, or whatever it might be. Um, Start with those positive kinds of conversations. And I really think it's that simple. And, and what that means is you're not going to get a, a positive hit as a marketer. You're not going to get a positive response back on some huge amount of effort you send out there, be it LinkedIn posts, emails, calls, whatever you're doing. You're not going to get as much response if you just take the higher ground. But yeah. when you do get that response, it's going gonna, it's gonna to have started on a genuine foot in terms of building that relationship. I want to dig into that a little bit more um, because you you talked about very specific questions to ask the practitioner mm-hmm. to get the conversation. But how do you propose a marketer or or a salesperson? How do you propose that person goes about knowing which questions to ask? Yeah, so that's that's where you have to seek counsel from friendlies, and and I think every good cyber firm should have a CISO. Mm-hmm. who is a practitioner, as well as, you know, very often there's field CISOs and external CISO roles that are really more sales and marketing enablement. Um, and if those folks are veteran CISOs in their own right, then definitely tap their brains as well. But but the the gist of it is there's plenty of folks out there that are allied with you in some way, maybe even work for you in some way, who've got that experience from the practitioner perspective and just bounce it off of them. Yep. And if you've got some friendlies in your advisory board, before you make a marketing move, if your company has an advisory board, bounce it off of them and say, hey, this is kind of where we're going with our new marketing campaign. Does this resonate with you guys? Does this piss you off? Does this, you know, does this rub you the wrong way? Does it lean you towards possibly like, oh, I'd be interested and I'd click more? You know, walk them through it. Do some A-B testing with friendlies. And yeah. you'll find very quickly that that certain positive messages really do work and really do resonate. Yeah. I mean, stress testing, it's all about that. Um, you know, just uh, when I was working over at Gardacore and when sales, this is the VP of sales asked me, have we stress tested this in the, you know, with, with some people, I was just like, you know, cause we're so used to marketers are so used to saying, okay, like here's the data. I'm looking at the data and it's working this way. It's working that way. But just asking a friendly uh, to your point goes a really Mm -hmm. long way and it's much quicker. To be honest, I'm going to go back to another point you had mentioned, 18 vendors that yeah. you could evaluate. Right. Right. It's no surprise that there are gajillion security vendors out there. Right. How do you go about researching a security product? And more importantly, how do you go about separating the wheat from the chaff? Yeah. So for me, first and foremost, you know, I've got a specific need. 
And I'm not just a member of the Cybersecurity Marketing Society Slack. I'm also a member of five other Slacks that are all CISOs. So collectively between those five Slacks, let's assume I've got access to, I don't know, six, 700 other CISOs. And what we all tend to do in that environment is, hey, I'm trying to solve problem X. Who's using what? And, and three or four people will chime in and you'll hear this company name, that company name, and that company. And you usually get two, maybe even three names. And then from there, I will go do a ton of research on my own. Who competes with X, Y, and Z? Oh, look, now there's also A, B, and C. So now I have A, B, C, X, Y, Z. I got six companies to look at. And I'll go back to some of these other Slack communities and, and try to get private conversations with CISOs. Hey, have you actually deployed these guys? How far along in your journey are you? Are you happy with them? Did something backfire? Does it blow up? Talk to me about their sales and marketing. Talk to me about the kind of pricing you got, if you can. You know, sometimes people get great deals and aren't allowed to say what price. But, you know, we share what we can share with one another. Um, and you get feedback from a lot of other CISOs. And it helps you hone in and figure out, okay, the, these two or three are now the ones I'm going to talk to. Um, have a, a meaningful sales and, and marketing experience with those folks then, you know, make sure it's a meaningful engagement and a real demo. And, and then, you know, based on the feedback from the demos, you get to the POC stage and, and very often my POCs are a bake-off. Mm -hmm. it, it's not uncommon for me to have made it all the way to two or three finalists. And at the POC stage, that's where the real final decision gets made. Yeah. This product, I was up and running in a week. This product took me three weeks and it's still running funny. Boom. It's out, you know? Uh, this one had those three features I was really looking for. These other two didn't. Boom, there's my winner. Um, sometimes it goes all the way to the POC stage before I make my call, but but it starts with peer review. It starts with research. Uh, I'm a big fan of who competes with blank uh, really? and doing all that research. And there's dozens of websites out there that compare competitors of various softwares and functions. And sometimes they're completely off base. Like I love to search my own company and the who competes with, and they give these suggestions. I'm like, those guys aren't competitors at all. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. You have to do further diligence. It's not as easy as Googling, but, um, but that's basically my technique. You do the research in the community. We know, we know that word of mouth is huge, but when, once you go about yourself doing mm -hmm. that research, what, what does it look like? Take me through a little bit of that physical journey. Yeah. So let's imagine, um, trying to think of a good example, recent history, Sassy. Um, I went from a company of 50,000 where we had a very popular, well-known Sassy solution. Um, and then I joined this company of, you know, uh, much smaller, you know, we're like 20 people. And obviously the big enterprise stuff I was used to using wasn't going to scale to this new environment. I had to go find new solutions. So, um, I started looking at, can I use the big guys? Will they even talk to somebody my size, right? Like that was first amount of research was calling up all the folks I was used to using in the bigger shops. And will you guys even do business with somebody my size? And the answer sometimes is yes. Sometimes is no. Sometimes it's yeah, but there's a minimum hundred person buy-in and blah, blah, blah. And I do the math and it's just not feasible. So then I have to start finding alternatives. So I'm researching, you know, what, what kind of, you know, Sassy was a good example. What alternatives to this big enterprise Sassy I used to use, what alternatives are there? and trying to find ones that deal with SMBs. And so I'm Googling phrases like SMB and, da, 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 and you know, and, and I start to find alternatives that start to bubble up. And then I go and do the research with the CISOs and, hey, you know, I found this vendor. Um, do they have such and such egress uh, phenomenon that I'm looking for? Do they have the capability to integrate with identity and access management on the back end with so-and-so? And, and can I use, and I'm asking very technical, very detailed questions, both of the CISO community and of Google. Um, and then eventually, you know, get in the call with them and start grilling them. Um, and by the time I've got a vendor in front of me with a true sales cycle and, and we're at the demo stage, I've already got a lot of really hard hitting questions. And I had one vendor that I loved uh, at first glance, you know, they passed the demo stage and we were getting into POC 
And that's when another friend of mine who hadn't seen my request about, hey, what do you think about these vendors? He, he found it late and replied to it a little late. I was already in my POC and he said, oh yeah, you don't want to work with these guys. They do bargain basement DNS leases. They get uh, IP addresses and exit points all over the planet from data centers that are not necessarily reputable and whose IP addresses may have in the past actually been totally non-reputable stuff. And so you end up with an egress point that's blacklisted. So Oops. picture a sassy solution that you're supposed to enter this ecosystem, leave it anywhere and get to wherever you want to go in the world with all this tracking and capability that SASE offers, except nobody lets you in because you're yeah. coming from a known bad IP, right? Wow, Instantly wow. killed that POC. So just, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes it's down to that super technical level and, and it just depends on the, on the particular product I'm buying. For the marketers out there, we all want to differentiate, right? Mm -hmm. um, in your opinion, are there any differences or anomalies in the market right now that we can learn from or take advantage of to stand out? Yeah, let me let me start with the opposite of that question first, because I, you know, this is this is one of the things that really gets me. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, I had uh, I had Nathan Burke from Axonius on my show a while back, um, and he was talking about this notion that you know all marketers are liars, and and it really irked him that that paradigm is out there at all. Yeah, he talked about how some marketers are liars, mm -hmm. and for me, I'm going to take it even one step further from his analysis, and I'm going to say some marketers believe their own BS. It's super important, super important to have a true, fundamental, realistic nature and notion about where you really are in the market. Do you have real competitors? And if so, how competitive are they really? Are there two of you that are truly doing all the same things? And it's just a matter of sometimes they pick, you know, Coke and Pepsi, Chevy and Ford. Is it that um, you're Ford and someone else is, you know, Skoda? Or are you Cadillac and someone else's Mercedes? Or, you know, you really truly need that honest self-reflection as a marketing organization. And I know that's very challenging because what marketing is tasked to do on a daily basis is to come up with all the reasons why we're super cool, come up with whole new paradigms to describe what we do, come up with whole new ways of envisioning and characterizing what we do. And if your job is to always be coming up with a new perspective and a new twist on what you are, it becomes harder to just simply open the box up, put the parts on the table and go, this is what it actually is. You're, you're so busy focusing on a new twist, you forget to focus on what it actually is in the first place. And I can think of some examples like um, breach and attack simulation. I'm on the advisory board for one company mm -hmm. um, and their marketing organization is very realistic about this is what we do. This is how we do it. Uh, we're here to facilitate your purple teaming. They have twists and alignments and things they speak to that are positive and real, but they don't at any point claim to be the only ones doing it. They don't at any point claim to be the best at it per se. Um, they're not, they're not trying to just be oblivious to the fact that there's competition and that there's choices in the market. What they're trying to do is emphasize their strengths. Again, it's that positive marketing messaging. Um, they emphasize where they can help. They emphasize what they do. And when they do have a unique facet or aspect of what they've come up with or something cool they're doing, yes, they have a whole campaign around that. Like, Hey, we just released blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and you have to really, really, really do your research to say, we just released blah, blah, blah. And we're the only ones on the market with it. Right. That's a big difference versus, Hey, we just released blah, blah, blah. And it's super cool and helpful. If you don't know for certain where you stand versus the rest of the market, don't act like you're it because the odds are you're not it. 
the odds are there's someone else, you know, like whatever. I, uh, I just incorporated miter attack. Well, maybe your competitors already did that a year ago. Um, we've incorporated miter attack and tied it into this other thing. Oh, there's something new and cool to talk about. So always be acutely aware of where you really do stand. Don't be afraid as a, as a marketer to dig into the enemy, learn mm. about them and realistically confront and face like, oh, holy cow, they're good at that. Ooh, they're good mm -hmm. at this other thing. Ooh, they're mm -hmm. really good at this other thing. Don't be afraid to have that reality check because anytime you're coming up with that new spin, that new twist on here's why we're cool and why we're different, you're going to be better informed. You're going to hit the mark better. Your audience is going to resonate with the messaging better if it's a realistic accommodation of the ecosystem you're a part of. The, the marketing that I cannot stand is when a company just does this. We're the thing, we're the thing, we're the thing. And again, no, there's 18 of y'all. Go look at Momentum Cyber. There really are 18 of you. So mm -hmm. what differentiates you from the other 17? Acknowledge their existence and help me shortcut that decision-making process and that Google research and the talking to the peers. You know, oh, well, they kind of focus on this area and we kind of focus on that area. Oh, cool. Well, that's the area I'm interested in. Let's talk. It's just, it's a matter of acknowledging that you're part of a market, that you're part of a competitive landscape and not sticking your head in the sand and just, Admit that stuff. It's okay. Because yeah. you're doing something cool. You're, and your cool perspective can still come out. There's also for the product management folks in the crowd, there's the quit trying to be everything problem mm -hmm. too, right? Mm -hmm. um, I can think of one company who does secure management, endpoint management, who decided they're also going to be EDR and who decided they're also going to be, you know, fill in the blank, fill in the blank, fill in the blank. And I've already got this great solution for EDR and I've got this great solution for secure management and the secure management people are trying to upsell me and displace my EDR. And it's just like, guys, no, I've already got a best of breed solution over here and I'm sticking with it. And as long as you guys work with me and acknowledge again, that ecosystem that's in my shop, you know, I need you two to play nice together. Um, but don't try to be the everything either. Right. And, and I think marketing sometimes falls into, you know, product management can suffer from that same oblivion to the ecosystem blindness um, and, and, and try to be the everything. And I can almost guarantee you the, the everything tools are not the tools I'm using for everything. I'll yeah. end up buying them for whatever their core strength is and I won't use the other 99 features. So this, this is a nice segue into, into I think, the, the really fun part of the, the show. I want to know what is the one worst thing you've experienced for, from a vendor, top of your head? Uh, sending me a calendar invite as if we've already discussed and talked, the blind calendar invites. Single quickest way to piss me off and blacklist you forever. Just what? get a calendar invite and you accept it because you think like, you know what, it's a calendar invite, right? And then you realize as your day is coming up and you're like, what is this thing this afternoon? I've never heard of these people. Who are these? And what I always do is keep the meeting but not show up just to make sure I waste their time just like they wasted mine. Oh, no. What's the alternative approach to, to really getting in your calendar? For me personally, I got an article I post on LinkedIn every year, uh, literally once a year I repost it. And I've got, I've got vendors that are always like, isn't it time for the annual repost yet? And for me personally, I say, don't try to cold call me at work. Don't try to definitely don't cold call my cell phone. That'll piss me off too. Um, don't email me, hit me up on LinkedIn hit me up on LinkedIn with a, with a very short and sweet pitch that indicates that you've got in some way, shape or form, a notion of what the heck I'm up to. In other words, uh, bullet number one, hey, you were just on this podcast and you were talking about needing a SASE solution, which by the way, don't because I already got mine, but we're cool. Um, you know, you needed a SASE solution and, and hey, we happen to do that. So that's bullet number two. Here's who we are and what we do. Bullet number three, why you should choose us over the competitors, right? Like, hey, saw you were talking about SASE. 
we do sassy we do sassy specifically for small businesses like yours and the reason you should choose us is uh whatever you know fortune 100 uses us there was a gartner thingy there was a there's going to be some explanation for why you're the one I should look at, right? You, yeah. You've got something in your, I don't care who you are. You've got some positive story about why me versus the competitor. But again, you're already acknowledging the competitor right there in that very first moment. Pick us because we're the cool one. And here's what I mean when I say we're the cool one. And mm. then the last piece, bullet number four is don't, don't stalk me. That's it. If I don't respond, respect the fact that I didn't respond. Maybe I'm not interested in sassy at all at the moment. Maybe I already picked my player. Uh, maybe I got super busy. Uh, maybe I'm going to have someone else circle up with you in three months, whatever, but don't stalk me. Um, and that's, that's, that's my simple method. That's it. Four bullets, some idea that, you know, who, who, and what I am, what you do, why you're the one I should pick of what you do and don't stalk me. That's it. So let's flip it on its head. What's one thing a vendor has done that made you feel super good? Like, yes, this, this worked for you. I had a vendor back when I was in Austin, back when I was CISO at Mitel, who reached out to me with just a, hey, no idea what your priorities are, saw you're new in the role. Um, we're the sort of outfit that can help you with multiple priorities. You know, we're a, we're a VAR and, you know, we represent various tools and whatever. And I would love to meet with you and I'm glad to sign an NDA and let's chat about whatever kind of your projects and priorities are and we'll see where I can maybe help or not help or whatever, but let's at least have a conversation. I thought, what a great, refreshing, open, honest way to just reach out. Fine, I'll spend 30 minutes with this person. We signed NDAs and I just started whiteboarding. I'm working on this and working on this and working on this. Okay, well, we have a product that does that and we have three different products that do that and I can't really help you there. Oh, total honesty. Can't yeah. really help you there. Don't really have a solution for that one. Uh, we got a pro services arm that could probably do that, but honestly, they're going to be pretty expensive. You should probably go with whatever, whatever. And here was this vendor telling me in all in one big package, here's the places where you should work with me and here's the places where you shouldn't. It's total honesty. The whole conversation was just about let's have a realistic sit down about where you're at, what you might need. Let's have a realistic sit down about what I can offer and what I can't offer. And let's build a relationship and start there. And, and that's the whole key. Like every one of those moves was centered around this idea that we were starting a relationship. And I still talk to that vendor today. I'm not even in Austin anymore. And I still reach out on occasion and check in. There you go. It's all about those long lasting relationships, right? Exactly. I know we're, we're, we're kind of ending up this, uh, you know, we're getting to the end of time and I want to be respectful of your time here. But what is one kind of takeaway you'd like to, to impart on the audience today? So assuming the audience is more on the marketing side of the house than the practitioner side of the house, um, I, I want to hammer home the, the one word I used several times here. There's two words I really use, and I think probably both words should be on the table. One is positivity. Uh, degrading your competition, no good. Acknowledging them and just being positive about where you're strong, great approach. And the second one is that word relationship. Try to craft relationships. Don't blindly throw stuff over the fence, you know, at the CISO target, the CISO persona. As soon as you start using words like target and persona, you're already off base in my mind. Like, talk to some actual CISOs and just find out, talk to those friendlies. And just find out like, hey guys, does this work for you? What doesn't work? What, what resonates? What doesn't resonate? Does this stick? Is this weird? Is this going to pick, you know, is this one going to make you mad? Whatever it might be, just talk to some friendlies. And, um, and, and I guess actually one last parting piece of advice as well. Uh, and this one always throws people is you're not necessarily wanting to win over the CISO anyway. The odds are that any given CISO is going to be relying on her lieutenants, his lieutenants, You've got your directors and senior directors that manage your tech stack, that manage your GRC program, you know, that manage your incident response, that manage your SOC, whatever might 
you know, be going on that you have. And the reality is if you come to me directly as the CISO with some killer message that resonates and you do all the right things and it's positive and you're talking about building relationships and you're offering me a, whatever, a firewall, I am not going to go much further than that before I hand off to my firewall person and say, hey, go evaluate this thing. They, they seemed cool. You tell me whether we're going to buy this product because the rubber meets the road with the people actually using the stuff. And I'm not going to presume as CISO that, that I should be making those decisions on their behalf. I'm handing off to my lieutenants. Mm -hmm. And so keep that in mind as well when you're marketing that everybody thinks the CISO is the golden prize to get. Like, oh, we finally got a meeting with a CISO. It's only going to get you this far. You're still going to be punted back to the lieutenants anyway. So in your marketing, in your messaging, make sure you include those lieutenants because at the end of the day, I think more of them are decision makers than actual CISOs. So valuable. So valuable. Alan, I mean, this this has been such a pleasure. I'm glad we finally got to meet and get on this uh, on this show. Uh, where can uh, all of us find you these days? Uh, LinkedIn, Alan Alford, A-L-L-A-N. Last name is A-L-F-O-R-D. I'm the only Alan Alford with two L's and an A that I know of on LinkedIn. I'm slash I-N slash Alan Alford. I got there early. Uh, so even if there are more, they've got numbers in their names. I'm the original. Um, <laughs> find me there. Uh, that's probably the best place to connect. I'm on Twitter uh, at Alan Alford in TX in Texas, which you can't figure that out from the background. Um, and that's probably the best two places to connect. Um, and uh, AlanAlford.com, if you want to shoot me a note through my website, I got a bunch of resources for the practitioner community up there. And of course, Hacker Valley Media is the host of the uh, Cyber Ranch podcast. You can always hunt me down there as well. <laughs> so. Amazing. Lots of ways to connect. Amazing. Alan, thanks so much again. All right. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Audience First. If you like what you've heard, feel free to follow or subscribe to Audience First on Apple, Spotify, or any of your favorite podcast streamers.